My text this morning is verses 1 through 9 of Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner? Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. As I've said before, Jesus is now on his way to Jerusalem, and he's passing through Jericho. If you remember the history of Jericho, Jericho was right over the River Jordan. Israel had passed through the River Jordan when they were occupying the land, and the first city that they came to would have been Jericho. Uh, And they conquered Jericho. The walls fell down flat. There was a curse placed upon Jericho that whoever builds it will lose his firstborn and his lastborn son in the building of Jericho. Uh, That was built by Hiel in the days of Ahab the king. Uh, And the curse came true exactly as the Lord said. But now Jericho is a thriving city. It's still in the same spot. And it's still the first place you come to when you cross the River Jordan from the east. And so any goods coming from the east, from Persia, from Babylon, from Nineveh, would pass through Jericho. And therefore Rome had a tax station set up at Jericho. Uh, because all goods coming into the Roman Empire needed to be taxed. Jericho was a merchant town, and Rome taxed all of the trade. I've talked about the system of taxation before in Rome. Rome sold the taxation system, the franchises, to local businessmen, giving them the right to collect the taxes from the townspeople, from the merchants, from the traders, and pass on Rome uh, their share of the taxes. The guy in charge of the whole system in Jericho was a man named Zacchaeus. We know that he was a Jew because Zacchaeus is a Jewish name. And it was common for the Jews to serve Rome in this way. More about that in a minute. Remember in the context in the previous chapter, Jesus talked to a rich young ruler who went away very sorrowfully. And Jesus said how hard it is for people with riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He also said, blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Those who heard those things would say, but then who can be saved? For to them, the rich man was the one with all of the blessings. He was the one closer to God. But Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. 
As soon as Jesus makes that declaration, he opens the eyes of a blind man, and then Luke gives us the account of a very rich tax collector named Zacchaeus, in which Jesus shows them the power of God in changing the heart. This is the irresistible call of the gospel on the heart of a rich man, and not just any rich man. This was a rich tax collector, a sinner, the lowest of the low, an outcast, a traitor, one despised by his countrymen. Although he was Jewish, he would not have been considered by any Jew to be a child of Abraham. He would have been cast out of the synagogues. He would not have been allowed into the temple. He was a sinner, a traitor to the Jewish nation in the pocket of the oppressive regime of Rome. But this man wants to see Jesus. He will not let anything stop him. He's too short to see over the crowd, and I think there's more there. The crowd doesn't make way for him. A rich man would normally make his way easily through a crowd. We know the rich young ruler had no problem making his way through the crowd. We know that Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, didn't have any problems making his way through the crowd. But this man can't make his way through the crowd. Remember, he's despised an outcast. So he climbs a tree. It's quite an undignified activity for an adult. This tax collector was despised by the crowd anyway, so anything he would have done would have been suspect. The sycamore fig was not only a great tree to climb, it was a great tree to hide in. The foliage would have covered the tree, and it would have been a great place to hide. But Jesus blows his cover. Jesus will have no secret disciples. He calls out in front of everyone, Zacchaeus, by name. Jesus calls his people openly. When Jesus comes to stay with us, he doesn't do it in secret. When Jesus abides, when he dines with us, when there's fellowship restored, that's a theme throughout all of Scripture. It carries through each Lord's Day throughout the world when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord is dining with us, abiding with us. To dine together, to abide with us, to live together, is to be at fellowship, to be at peace, to be united in friendship, in social discourse, in mutual honor. We kind of lose track of that a little bit in our culture, in our day, because so many meals are eaten in the car through a fast food drive through Many of us spend hours on Thanksgiving preparing a meal and eating it in about 15 minutes. We're used to eating fast and being done. It was not so in the Middle East. In the Middle East, it was a social convention that went on and on and on. You would only dine together with your friends, those you were in fellowship with. Using that metaphor throughout Scripture, Jesus abiding with us is a metaphor for union with Christ, just like the bride and the bridegroom, the tree and the branches. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. In other places, he talks about the Father abiding with his people. 
Jesus spoke of eating and drinking with him in the kingdom of God. Psalm 23 speaks of the Lord setting a table for us in the presence of enemies. And of course, throughout Scripture, the perfect fellowship with man and God is often described in terms of food. The trees in the garden that were all good for food. The pomegranates and the grapes that were carved on the tapestries of the temple. The milk and honey of the land of Canaan. All of history culminating in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where the tabernacle of God dwells with mankind and he is our God and we are his people. And the end goal is God abiding with his people and feasting with them at the marriage supper of the Lamb. This was pictured in the book of Exodus when God met with the elders of Israel and it said they ate and drank with God and they did not die. The end goal of all of history is God dwelling with his people. And so Jesus, the word of the Father made flesh, tells Zacchaeus to come out of the tree. I must stay with you today. The must is a translation of a Greek word that is, uh, literally means it is necessary. It is necessary for me to dine with you today, to fulfill all things. Jesus came to fulfill everything that the Father had decreed. Zacchaeus was decreed a child of God from before the foundation of the world. And Christ comes to call him. I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus receives him joyfully. So on this account, sometimes theology tends to be long and dry. The scripture gives us accounts. Instead of giving us a treatise on calling and regeneration, it actually tells us and shows us, pulling back the curtain and showing us that mystery. In this account, we see the mystery pulled back, revealed to us on what the scripture means by calling and regeneration. Calling is the work of the Holy Spirit that's connected with the preaching of the gospel. The external call of the gospel is Zacchaeus, come down. I must dine with you today. Fellowship with God restored. But with those words, the Holy Spirit calls Zacchaeus internally and awakens him to obey the voice of his master and come down and receive Christ joyfully. Calling and regeneration, it's all the work of God in the heart of mankind And the work is still the same. The gospel goes out, and we pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit to open the hearts of mankind to respond to that call. The work is mysterious, for the Spirit blows where it wishes, Jesus said, and you can't see it. All you can see are the results. You can see Zacchaeus receiving Jesus joyfully. Notice that the call is the call of good news, the gospel. The word gospel is an old English word that's historically used to translate the Greek word euangelion. We get our word evangelist from it. Eu is the Greek word for good. Angelon is a proclamation. It was actually used in the Roman Empire to declare the victory of a king. The good news of Caesar Augustus was proclaimed when he would have a victory and it would be heralded throughout the world. It's used this way in the Psalms when it talks about the women proclaiming the good news of the victory. 
Great was the company of the women who proclaimed the word of the Lord. That goes against our sensibilities, but scripture often seems to do that. The call of the gospel is that Jesus is the conquering king. He's conquered sin and death and misery and shame. And the conquering hero now has come to mankind to dine with them, to abide with them. Zacchaeus, come down. I must dine with you today. He came to seek and save that which was lost and outcast. People like Zacchaeus. In our culture, we far too often think that the gospel is telling people everything that's wrong with them. But I want you to notice here, first of all, Zacchaeus was a sinner. Tax collectors were notoriously greedy, lying. He talks, Zacchaeus talks about the false accusations that he used to get rich. But the point is, Zacchaeus already knew what was wrong with him. He was a greedy thief who colluded with the Romans to get rich off the oppression of his local fellow citizens. He already had the opinions of the religious and the opinions of the neighbors. And the neighbors and the religious people were right. He was a sinner. He was an outcast. He responded to being an outcast by seeking more wealth. And the more wealth he sought, the more of an outcast he became. If you analyze that, we can see that guilt drives our shame Shame drives our sinful choices to cover our shame, which in turn drives guilt. It's a vicious cycle. We're incapable of pulling ourselves out of it. Because no matter how hard we try, the heart of the issue is that we're alienated from God and there's no way back to Eden. One of the most difficult things to try to explain to people is why the proclamation of the law actually increases sin. But that's the mystery of guilt and shame. Let's put it into modern terms. One of the most pervasive destructive sins in our day is pornography, readily available, and it entraps millions and millions of men and women continually. They're sucked into the lies and unable to pull themselves out. How many of them are sinking down in guilt and shame and misery and have no idea how to pull themselves out of it? They know it's wrong. They know it's destroying them. They feel weak and ashamed. And you can hear sermons proclaiming against adultery and against fornication and against pornography. And they go home feeling more guilty and more ashamed and they try to overcome it. And the harder they try to overcome it, the more weak and ashamed they feel. And so they seek to run and hide from their feelings of weakness and shame by turning to pornography. The cycle continues over and over and over until you're so ensnared you can't get out. This is why the prophet said, Can an Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard's his spots? So can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil, addicted to evil? It's growing greater and greater and greater. And the church responds with self-help programs or by heaping shame and guilt, thinking that somehow if you can guilt people enough, they'll make the right choices. It's never worked, it never will. It's understandable because sin is deeply shameful, destructive, soul-destroying. The shame and guilt never change a heart. 
Zacchaeus had been outcast and told what was wrong with him over and over again. You couldn't be a tax collector in Jewish society without knowing that you were a sinner. There were plenty of people who would tell you that frequently. But there was only thing, one thing that could change his heart. Calling and regeneration. Zacchaeus, come down. I must dine with you today. The calling of the conquering hero, the king of kings, coming in, get this, fellowship, friendship, and love to live with us. How can you dine with someone as a friend if you believe they're ashamed of you or hate you or are angry with you? How can you dine with someone in peace if you believe them to be an angry judge holding you like a loathsome spider over the pit of hell just getting ready to destroy you at any minute? You don't receive that kind of a God joyfully. But the one who comes and says, come down, I must dine with you today. That's good news. Zacchaeus then has a complete turnaround, a change of heart immediately. He receives Jesus joyfully, and before they even have a chance to talk further, he changes his whole view of money. The rich young ruler in the previous chapter would not exchange his money for eternal life, because with his money came his privilege and his status and his reputation and his position in society. But the gospel call changed Zacchaeus' whole value system. He realized that the presence of Jesus in his life was far more valuable than any of his riches. And so from now on, notice what he will do with his riches. He will use everything that he has, not for his own entitled self-protection, but in service to his neighbor, to the glory of God. He'll make restitution for the sins that he has committed, And he will give generously to the poor. 50% given to the poor. When we receive Jesus and hear the call of the gospel, we know that it isn't because of any works that we do. Zacchaeus did not change his ways before Jesus called him. It was a result of Jesus calling him that Zacchaeus changed his ways. When Zacchaeus came to dwell with, when Jesus came to dwell with Zacchaeus, It was because Jesus had purchased him, body and soul, to be his own, to use the language of Peter. To use our catechism, Zacchaeus didn't belong to himself anymore. Now he belonged to his faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He belonged. This outcast now belongs to the shepherd of souls. He fits, he has his place. And this means that his body is no longer for fornication and self-indulgence and amassing wealth to himself and oppressing others, but it's for Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. His wealth now, which is no longer his own, given to him for a purpose, that he might be a blessing to others. The point is not get rid of all your money and then God will accept you. It's that once Jesus comes to dwell with us, everything we have now is dedicated to his honor for the good of our neighbor.
1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? The temple was where God dwelt with his people. My presence will go with you, God said to Moses. And now in the new covenant, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Whom you have from God and you are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The context of that is to flee fornication. When it comes to our goods, Paul says in Ephesians, let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Our whole relationship to work and money and our bodies and what we're here on this earth for changes when Jesus comes to dwell with us. We see this demonstrated over and over again throughout the book of Luke. Jesus touches a leper. He takes the leprosy on himself and gives to the leper his cleanness and then puts the leprosy to death on the cross. And so now he's dining with a sinner, taking the sin of the sinner upon himself to put to death on the cross and giving his righteousness to Zacchaeus. Fulfilling what Isaiah says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Jesus will go and take the stripes and the beating and the death. And Zacchaeus will be healed. It's the change of status from sinner to righteous. From unclean to clean. From death to life. From a self-absorbed pornography style of living. Where money, people, and your own body are used simply for self-gratification. To a full human existence where we live in society and fellowship with God and with one another in love. Reaching out to our neighbor, worshiping God and loving each other as we were created to. For shame and fear are taken away. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm staying with you today. There's now no place for shame or fear for you are accepted by God you belong to me I'm going to Jerusalem to be an outcast so that you might truly be a child of Abraham with a seat at his table for you belong to me I'm going to Jerusalem to be shamed and beaten and ridiculed so that you might be welcomed by the angels in heaven for you belong to me I'm going to die so that you might have eternal life because you belong to me And when my body is raised from the dust, your body will also be raised because you belong to me. And now Zacchaeus no longer belongs to himself, belongs to Jesus. Therefore, he's passed from death to life. He has a new relationship with God, a new relationship with his neighbor, and therefore with all creation, including his gold and silver, his flocks and his herds, his property, and everything that he owns. The problem with the religion of Zacchaeus' day is the same problem we have in every day. Most people believe, it's deeply ingrained, that God accepts us only if we clean ourselves up first. So the gospel then 
in this kind of a community changes form and becomes something like become a better person so that God will accept you. Be sorry enough for your sins so that Jesus can dine with you. Flee from your addictions or God will drop you into the flames. That's a false gospel that never changes the heart. How do you clean yourself up when God is your judge? When you believe that this is the way to salvation, though, nothing will arouse fury faster than the thought that God accepts sinners as they are. That he loves the broken and the sinful and the outcast first, and it is his love that changes the sinner, not the sinner's love that convinces God to be gracious. It is God's love that changes the heart. Our love for God doesn't change his mind. His love for us changes our mind. The crowds got this wrong. When they see Jesus staying as a guest in the house of a notorious leader of a tax cartel, they're furious. That guy? It's the same dynamic as I've said before of Cain and Abel. How can you accept that guy? How can Jesus go eat with that guy? Aren't there plenty of worthy people in town that Jesus could have eaten with? First, before Jesus can eat with them, he has to become like us. First, he must flee pornography. He must flee his addictions. He must change who he's attracted to. He must quit sinning and start thinking the right thoughts before Jesus can dine with him. But Jesus just says, come down. I must dine with you today. Didn't even rebuke him for being a tax collector. Because the fact is, it's the love of Christ, the calling of the good news, the announcement of the conquering king that changes hearts. Today, salvation has come to this house. That's the gospel. That's the announcement. Judgment will come in its time. We know that. God is a God of judgment. Scripture is very clear. And God is coming as a judge. But today is not that day. Today, salvation is coming to this house. Over the next month, we're going to hear a lot about angels singing in heaven. Pay attention to what they sing. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. It's that goodwill that changes the heart that is proclaimed. It's that goodwill that Jesus showed to Zacchaeus, a tax collector. The goodwill that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is the love of God declared to all. Whatever your questions, whatever your doubts, whatever your addictions, your fears, your deeply held shame, Jesus declares the love of God. The question is, will you receive him? I must come and stay with you today. If you receive him joyfully, everything about your life will change. And we do this daily. Jesus said, abide in me, for without me you can do nothing. We abide in him daily. We flee to him daily. When we're convicted by our sins, we again call out for the strength of the Holy Spirit and remember that we are completely washed clean by Christ who dwells with us. We saw the change immediately in Zacchaeus. 
With others, it takes longer. For me, it took a lot longer. But it will happen because God promises and keeps his covenants. We will be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. And when we're conformed to the image of Christ, the image of God is renewed in us, for he is the image of the Father. When our hearts condemn us, when we fail, when we stumble and fall, when the law comes thundering on us, we receive him again, for his love never runs out, for he dwells with us. We lay down our pride, our confidence in the flesh, and receive him, the friend of sinners. Pharisees use that as an insult. He's a friend of sinners. It was his badge of honor. He came to seek and save that which was lost. A friend of sinners. Zacchaeus was a sinner. He knew it. Everybody knew it. They despised Jesus for staying with him. They called him a friend of sinners. But this is exactly why Jesus came. To seek and save that which was lost. He didn't come for the righteous. Which is why the rich young ruler went away sorrowfully. He came for the sinners. He came for the sinners hiding in the trees. We call us, hey Zacchaeus, where are you? Come down. I'm going to stay with you today. And that changes everything. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you that you are a friend of sinners. Lord Jesus, you've taken our sin and our shame upon yourself so that we can walk before you with our heads lifted up loving our neighbor without fear, without disgrace, without shame. Father, cleanse us from all unrighteousness that we might walk before you and continue to love us and continue to dwell with us. In Jesus' name, amen.